Alive and Kicking on News Talk with Benelin Day and Night Tablets. 24 hour cold and flu relief. Always read the label. Ask your pharmacist for advice. You can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning, I had heard that there was a gathering on one of the beaches where I live every full moon. A guy, some chanting, I was told, in a dip in the sea. This sounded like a bit of me, so I went expecting to see about eight to ten people moon gazing and sea dipping. And what I stumbled upon in the dunes was more like a couple of hundred with a festival vibe and people from all different walks of life fully engaged in connecting with their spirit and the people around. And in the middle of them was Wim Hof practitioner Paddy Douglas and his Bayeron commanding the audience with uplifting advice and guided meditation. Today, he joins me in studio to talk about his movement, Breathe, Trust, Flow and the importance of raising the collective spirit. And history has tended to write off women as they age, but that stereotype is being rubbished by people like former midwife and psychologist Breda Birmingham. She joins me to talk about her movement and her new book, Midlife Women Rock. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I have still been in the post-Christmas limbo land, really. The kids only went back to school on Thursday and my sister and her family returned to America, where they live, that day too. So up until then, we were all in my mum's, kids playing together, making nice dinners, going for walks. It was bliss, to be honest. Of course, there were times we did my mum's head in. She likes the house spotless, and that's nigh on impossible with kids. So I just want to make out we're not saints or the Brady Bunch, but I'd have to say we are pretty close and I loved it. We were minus my brother for the last 10 days. I'm sure you can guess why. He took the COVID hit for us all so that my sister could spend her three weeks back in the motherland unhindered. And we were very grateful for that. And something momentous happened over the last couple of weeks. I returned to the gym. I saw a friend recently post on social media that she was in my local gym. She was at her mum's for a week over Christmas and managed to make a class. And it made me realise that I'd been living in my mum's since the end of October and had been procrastinating since then. To my shame, I might add, saying I'm too busy, too tired, family stuff getting in the way, I'm worried about COVID, sure a walk is enough. And do you know what? Sometimes all of the above is true and valid until it isn't. I've had a niggling feeling it's been time to return and it would do me good. Um, And I got all the rest I needed after moving house. And so I went and guess what? I bloody loved it. So I'm using myself as an example, not to make you feel bad if you haven't been going to the gym or whatever your chosen exercise is, but to remind you and myself that procrastination is just part of the process. The brain's job to keep you safe and it will tell you that staying on the couch would be better and that you're too tired, etc, etc. And sometimes you need to listen to that voice. But other times you assess how you really feel and if it's just plain old procrastination, just go. I was reminded how I love meeting pals there. We went for a coffee afterwards one day. I highly recommend if you can do joining forces with your friends for your walk, a dance class, whatever it is you choose to do, it makes it so much easier. I love how mindful it all is. All you can really think about are the exercises you're doing. And when you think of doing something and then you actually do it, you're giving yourself a chance to pat yourself on the back instead of spending that day giving yourself stick that you didn't go. 
I can't believe I've actually said so many words about something as small as actually just going to a gym class. But that is the amount of time I have wasted talking myself out of something that once I got there, I loved. I don't know if you listen to the podcast by Glennon Doyle, We Can Do Hard Things. Um, And she had one recently where she said she thinks most of the suffering in human existence belongs between the knowing and the doing. So when we know something needs to happen, it could be to do with work, relationships, exercise or health, whatever. We know what these things are, but then we don't bother doing it. And that's where the human suffering lies in between the knowing and the doing. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, history has tended to write women off as they age, but that stereotype is being rubbished by people like former midwife and psychologist Breda Birmingham. She joins me now to talk about her movement and new book, Midlife Women Rock. Hello, Breda. How are you? Hello, Claire. Lovely to be here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for coming on. So tell us a little bit about you then. You were a midwife, then had four kids then did the mom thing and then decided to go back and study. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I found the courage eventually at um, at 49 to, to go back, apply for a psychology degree that I, I had wanted to do for quite a few years. And um, so I completed that psychology degree in 2018. And that's where my interest in midlife women started. And... Um, Menopause, of course, is a huge part of the midlife um, transition, let's say, for, for women. So I, I, there, my interest was piqued around the massive negative story um, that we've been handed down, let's say, through the generations about menopause and, and perimenopause. But I suppose what really uh, interested me was the fact that I had no knowledge about this transition in, in, in my life. Um, I didn't understand that there were 34 plus different symptoms or I had never heard the word perimenopause or early menopause prior to 2018. So I was perplexed that um, this information wasn't available. And it interests me that you were originally um, a midwife. Um, so yeah. we have quite mm. a lot of information about reproducing. Now, even that's limited. People often start to learn more when they run into fertility difficulties and all of a sudden they get a more layered education as to how the the body works. So what we learn about our bodies, particularly as women and, and possibly men as well, but I can only speak from my own experience, what we learn about that side of things like our hormones um, is very limited and very basic, isn't it? Oh, c- completely. I mean, what has landed us into this menopause space, I feel, as a, mid- a midlife woman, is I've had no preparation, no education, no widely accessible information or supports up until until the last year, let's say, really in Ireland. And the previous, it's two two years only that the conversation is opening up in the UK. But it's like a lot of issues, I suppose, around women's well-being there's been a massive silence around this time in life and it hasn't helped women at all. And I suppose silence is the most damaging. I think it's even exciting that you use the word midlife because it has been seen up until now as almost the end of life, which should really anger women, I think, because that's almost insinuating that your childbearing years, if you want, are when you're most useful. And once they're gone, 
you're gone too. And we're living in a far more modern age where we're so much more than that. You can choose to have children or not have children. You can have careers. You can change the course of your life at 49 like you did. So it's not at all down to just childbearing at all. Yes, but I think socially and culturally, let's say in society, women, let's say, were they were kind of, um, you know, reproduction was considered uh, uh, the female role in society. And that 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 old story is kind of still it's it's still hanging over us and, and our value then drops or we're seen as, you know, we're devalued in some sense once the reproductive phase of life is over. But I noticed there's no template for the for women uh, globally post the reproductive years, and that needs to change. So that's where I, I decided I'd write the book because the fact that there's a massive injustice to women not knowing and understanding perimenopause and menopause. And number two, we're living longer as well, Claire. So demographically, there are more of us as well moving into and through our 50s than any other time in history who are educated in the workplace and economically independent. And that's why we're speaking up now. That's why menopause is coming into the public arena because of the fact that um, the demographic change is is there. Yeah, and I suppose that's interesting and it's almost mind-blowing to think that many years ago you'd have babies in your teens and by 40 you you could be dead. Whereas now... We're yeah. living right into 80s and, and, and sometimes 90s. So, yes, there is more prevalence of menopause, but it's still getting misdiagnosed, isn't it? There's been a lot of stories recently yeah. because the conversation has begun, which I think is really positive. But you still hear something that people didn't know, that one of the symptoms can be low mood, not quite feeling yourself and they can be yeah. misdiagnosed. and You can be given antidepressants, which, of course, won't yeah. be fixing the hormone imbalance that led to that in the first place. Correct, correct, yes, yeah. And you see, we, we can only change this by bringing it into the public domain. And when I started this work, let's say publicly in 2019, there were a lot of women were very uncomfortable about bringing it out. And I understood why, because it's a taboo subject. Menopause has been shrouded in silence, secrecy and shame for such a long time. And my banner is there is no shame and being a menopausal woman in 2021 you know that we, we are going to be living longer we, this is a very productive part of life but women deserve to be supported and understand what is actually happening to us but we don't understand I landed into the middle of perimenopause I did not know I was perimenopausal and I'm I'm a midwife and public health nurse and I've many friends who are in the medical profess, profession and apart from you know HRT they were not aware of all the different symptoms that are that that you know as part of this um progression and transition and it's a highly significant transition as well Claire which has not been recognized I feel and I suppose it's the shame and embarrassment because mm. Mm. we live in a world that glamorizes youth ageism affects women more than it seems to men. I mean, I've even heard myself saying it. We talk about men getting better with age, whereas women, and I'm all for people, you know, doing whatever it is that makes them happy, but trying to get rid of the wrinkles and, and, you know, just always trying to turn the clock back. So to put your hand up and say, I'm going through the menopause or the perimenopause, it makes people feel old. And that's become a really negative thing. 
Yes, yes. And that's another reason I guess I wrote the book as well, because within the literature, there's actually another story. There's actually quite a positive story there about access to deep creativity and um, a confidence and a courage that comes as we're moving through these years, because our confidence dips in perimenopause. And many, many women, including myself, I can honestly say, especially when you've got those symptoms early on and if you, you don't know what's actually happening to you, the confidence drops. Women have been leaving work. I mean, 900,000 women left work in 2019 in the UK due to menopause related issues. So this is why we need to bring it into the public domain, put supports in place and let women understand, you know, that there are lots of different avenues for, for management, HRT, lifestyle changes, mindset shifts around you know, these, the, our belief systems are so important around menopause. And as you mentioned, you know, we're not old when we're reaching 50 today. Um, Maureen Gaffney in her lovely book there, you know, Your One Wild and Precious Life, she alluded to this last week when she was talking in the Unpost Book Awards. Like, we have to kind of relook at midlife because we're, we're going to be living, you know, life expectancy is, is shifting and we're going to be living longer. So... It is a very important time in life. And what I found clear in the literature is midlife women, we're kind of we're an under research cohort and there are consequences and they're emerging now into the into the public domain. Yeah. And I, I heard um, Davina McCall speak on this. She's doing some amazing work around the menopause. She's a woman yes. on a mission trying to, to reframe it in the same way you are. Yep. And she mm-hmm. was saying something similar that you know, in your 20s, you're kind of having fun, but you're also striving to set yourself up, whether that's, you know, in a, in a relationship or in a family or whatever your focus is. And then you kind of reach your 40s and you're like, OK, well, now I'm searching for meaning, but you're also really comfortable in your own skin. And if you have had a family, chances are they're getting a little bit more and more independent. So it really is your time to shine. You've never felt better. You've never felt more confident. And you've got all of this life experience behind you so we should be celebrating that a little bit more she was saying badass you're saying rock and that's something we need to say a lot more Uh, yes absolutely and we need to challenge the negative narrative but I understand where the negative narrative has come from because women have been left in limbo land we haven't been supported and we we haven't been prepared we haven't been educated and I can understand the negative narrative there but we we there's another story in that literature now, what, what's wonderful is just this week, a researcher from RTE, uh, they're going to make a documentary in 2022, which is wonderful to hear. This is going to break down the taboo again. That's another step in bringing that taboo out into the public domain and breaking down the negative story, because there is a positive story here and it needs to, you know, be brought forward. Now... You know, I loved what you said. You said, look, I'm not going to just embrace invisibility and degeneration. I'm going to make this my mission. But of course, bringing awareness doesn't solve the issue. So your book gives some practical advice on what we can do. So can you touch on some of that? Yes, I suppose it's a it's a toolkit, I guess, you know, and it's a book that I wanted. Let's say I'd love to have had back in 2018. <clears throat> excuse me, when I started, you know, um, let's say researching, and I was trying to understand or unearth all of the the symptoms and I wanted to understand diagnosis. How is perimenopause and menopause diagnosed? How do I know I've reached um, perimenopause? What are the symptoms? 
and then what are the management options so that that's the toolkit that I've put together in this book and I'm also um, uh, Claire challenging the narrative that narrative has done nothing the old narrative the negative story has done nothing to help and benefit women in their midlife years and it has to be challenged and that's one of the, the missions I'm on um, as well here. And it's so great to see so many women coming into the space now, coming into the menopause space um, and talking openly uh, about menopause. Um, I mean, there are yoga instructors, dietitians, um, coaches coming in and, and, and personal trainers working specifically with women moving through their, their menopause years. And I, I think that that's very, very positive. And I like your narrative throughout the book that you're not pushing one way or another. I mean, HRT might be right for one person. It might not be for the next. But what you're trying to make clear to people is that we need access to the right information so we can make the choice that's right for us. You call it being CEO of your own health and having agency to make your own decisions. And I think that's really important. And I think in a lot of medical situations people feel really overwhelmed by what's out there and they they hand over all of their their power and that can make the whole process even more difficult yes yes clear i think yeah let's say women's power and agency i suppose that's a, that's a kind of a theme that kept coming up again and again in the literature and in the women that i with the women that i've worked with let's say over the last two years you, the, when we've no education and information and no knowledge, we, we, we've no power. We, we've no power. But when you have put, put knowledge and education and support systems in place and you completely help transform women's lives, that's what I've seen in my work as a midwife and, and public health nurse. And I guess that's where I started questioning what's, what has happened with the story of menopause. Why is it that women have been left in this limbo land? Um, and, and I've discovered that, you know, it was the fact that we had no preparation, no education and no widely accessible information. And we've been kept quiet. And as Melinda Gates says in, in her work and her book, The Moment of Lift, is when women are isolated, change can never occur. But what's happening in the UK at the moment is women are coming together. The voices of women in the menopause space are coming together and they're coming from a very grassroots level. And the story is beginning to shift. Um, and it's wonderful to see it happening. Yeah. And I, like that's something that agency is something I always remember when I was giving birth. And, you know, people that I was working with in the lead up, we're saying it's really important that you know what's going to happen when you arrive to the hospital and what questions to ask and, and that you have that preparation in your mind. Of course, I put myself in the hands of the amazing midwives and the experts, but it's still yeah. something about having that agency over yourself and your own body. And then from there, taking the advice that is so important in matters of health, I think. Uh, Brida, you've done really well with the book so far. I mean, I know you have your cafes and you have your, your growing movement, but you also have some um, heavyweight fans of your work. Um, you have Meg Matthews, who, of course, is very well known in the menopause space now. And also I saw Naomi Watts is a big fan of your work. She's quite the, the, the A-lister, the Australian Hollywood A-lister. How did all that come about? 
Um, well, Meg Matthews, I actually met Meg at the at her conference in, in 2019 in the UK. And when history is written, I think Meg Matthews conference will be a marker event because it was the first conference organized by women for women around menopause. All conferences prior to that were organized by, let's say, medical, mainly medical males talking about, let's say, the medical parts of, of, of menopause. Meg had this vision of talking holistically and looking at women, you know, in, in, a, in a very holistic fashion. And it was a remarkable conference. Dr. Louise Newson actually was the medical doctor that spoke at the conference, but she also had um, nutritionalists, um, pelvic floor experts, confidence um, coaches. So that's where I met Meg and uh, we've kind of kept in touch. And Naomi Watts contacted me through Instagram, which was lovely to see. And uh, Claire, I just want to say this week I was told in America, my book is uh, after being taken in by Walmart and Barnes and Noble. I was just told that two days ago. I, I'm in shock myself, but um, they've they've taken it on um, in, these, in the United States. So I'm delighted to hear that. Amazing. Well, look, Rita, mm. keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Um, I think it's incredible. And if people want to find out more, they can go to Midlife Women Rock Project dot com the book is called midlife women rock a menopause story for a new generation frida birmingham thank you so much for coming on lovely claire thank you and we are a new generation we have to we have to remember that and previous generations did not have a voice our generation are, are educated we have voices it's about using our voices that's what i've learned keep going Breda. thank you so much for coming on thank you Coming up after the break, Wim Hof practitioner Paddy Douglas of Breathe Trust Flow on the power of our breath. Alive and kicking on News Talk with Benelin Day and Night Tablets. 24-hour cold and flu relief. Always read the label. Ask your pharmacist for advice. You're welcome back to Alive and Kicking. Now, as I mentioned earlier, a gathering takes place at a beach near me under a full moon every month. And I talked about my surprise at the sheer number of people who come together in the sand dunes. The man at the centre of it all is Wim Hof practitioner Paddy Douglas of Breathe Trust Flow. And he joins me now. Hello there. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm very good. And I was surprised. Yeah. And it was a real cross section of society. There's all different shapes, sizes, creeds, backgrounds. Mm. It was really a lovely thing to see. How did it start? Um, I could go back to October 2020 and uh, myself and a girl called Jen Healy got together to do moonrising. That's home, that's what it was called, moonrising. And uh, basically to be uh, light meditation, a uh, small pausing of yoga, and then uh, I'd come in and do the breath walk. And that was in October 2020. That continued till uh, December 2020. And then from we went into a severe lockdown then. So January and February, um, there was nothing happening. But the backdrop of those moonrises in, in the early 2020, um, I seen so much change within myself and so much change within the community and people reaching out to me saying how much I helped them. So within f- January and February of 2021, uh, nothing was happening. There was no uh, moonrise or anything like that. And the amount of people that I was seeing suffering at the time, uh, mentally and physically, throughout everything that was going on, it just dawned on me that I, I, I'm i able to hold a space, thankfully I'm, and gratefully able to hold a space where people can really feel comfortable and let go and just switch off from what's actually going on. And even if that's for an hour or two hours, um, the benefits that I've been getting told that people are getting 
um, directly from that uh, wasn't was too much not to let too much not to continue. So I decided then in March twenty twenty one that I said we're kicking off Moonstock. That's when that Moonstock originally started. Then it was March twenty twenty one. And can we go a little bit back then to you and? how you got into all this sort of space. When did you first start to train with Wim Hof? So there was a crossroads section of my life um, in 2017 where the identity and everything that I was sort of collapsed. The walls fell on it um, between relationship and just certain things that happened in my life that really set me back. Where I was coming from a very strong mental mindset throughout all my life until 2017 and that's when that the, it hit the fan basically so from 2017 to late 2018 I was sort of lost hanging in the balance of like what do I want to do in life and what, what am I actually getting fulfilment from a friend of mine uh, who was going sea dipping at the time with my brother Ray uh, suggested that we go to a, um, a, a swim race oh, actually sorry it's called a whim race and that was with uh, another uh, Wim Hof instructor called Neil. I can't even say his name but it's Neil O'Murkey I know Neil. him yeah. well yes, one of yes. my faves and uh, so I went to this uh, whim rise uh, down in Port Mount Beach at the shelters, unaware of what I was doing. Like, I didn't know anything about breath work, didn't know anything about meditation or even sea dipping at that time. So I just went down just because I seen the benefits of my brother getting into the sea and I said, you know what, I'll just I'll go as well. I hadn't got a clue what I was doing. <laughs> I was doing the breathing wrong. I was getting into the sea thinking that something was going to happen, that I wasn't going to feel cold. But it was that moment then that a little spark happened to like a suggestion of going down the sea. It was like, okay, I'll go down. Still didn't fully incorporate it or um, integrate it into my life. And then it was like, I'd say, late or early 2019 then. Um, I was in a bad headspace, I was going through a lot. And my brother seen which way I was, and he was coming in high as a kite every, every night from sea dipping. And he goes, Paddy, come on, let's go sea dipping, you need it. So I went down one day, and this is like a little story that sort of like the evolution of from that moment onwards into the Wim Hof, what happened with me. I was coursing the sea. I was up to my waist at this time and I was walking into it and I was just like, what am I doing? My, my head is really fried at the moment and I'm walking into the sea. What am I doing? And then they're looking at my brother. I'm looking at my friend Limo. Who am I really enjoying the sea? And at the time I was reading a Mel Robinson book, 54321, and my friend suggested do that, 54321, just to dip under the sea and just to get it over and done with because I was resisting it all that time. I did that and when I came back up, I, I just noticed everybody was smiling including me. I also noticed that the sun was setting beside me. Uh, I, I, I just noticed the calmness and everything that was going on around me. Whereas before I went under the sea, it was just like drama. It was I was blaming everybody. I was cursing everybody. And when I came back up out of the sea, something, a light bulb went off. And from that day onwards, I haven't stopped getting into the sea. And through getting into the sea then, I heard about Wim Hof. I was like, right, who's this fellow Wim Hof? Started looking him up. Started pract- doing his pract- uh, practice of the bread walk. And then, incorporating that into the uh, coral dips with the sea and because I was getting so much benefit at home doing it I started doing the workshops and the first two workshops I did was actually with, uh, with Neil as well and I ended up doing four Wim Hof fundamental workshops in 2019 and it was the last one that the light bulb went off and I said right I'm going to be a Wim Hof instructor in the a- and it's gathered such momentum as I said yeah. I, I, I feel like there was 150 to 200 people I'm brutal when was the last figures. Year? Um, last full moon. December. Last full moon was in December. The very first time we did uh, Moonstock in March, there was 150 people. And if it was to show you 150 people in, in front of you, you'd think it was 50 people. 
I'd say there in the sandbot, there was close to 500 people there. Stop. The most that turned up would have been when I did um, a moonstock down at the shelters with a good friend of mine, Shawnee, mine yourself, 365. He um, he does yoga every Wednesday down at the shelters. And it just so happens that the full moon was uh, landing on the same night. So we said we incorporated our two things together. He does the yoga first and then I do a breath walk. And easily, we stopped counting at 800 basically. And there was, you couldn't even see the back. <laughs> and what do you think is going on? Because, you know, I'm very lucky I present this show. It's health and wellness. I'm mm. in front of health and wellness people once a week at the very least. I'm keeping an eye on it all. It's always been my lean. But I've always felt it's a little separate microcosm on its own. And mm. it's growing. It's growing so much. There's a need in people. Yeah for something and a willingness in people. Because I've always been really fascinated, especially here in Ireland, how we've kind of started to step away from religion. Many people have. And I say that with the fullness of respect Mm -hmm. for people who are still very much into their faith and religion. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wondered, what did that mean for people if they had nothing? But people don't have nothing. They're looking for something and they're Mm. they're finding it, aren't they? Yeah. Um, A lot of people are, are lost and they don't have guidance. And... When you have somebody putting themselves out there, because everybody has a vulnerability in, a vulnerability in them, and everybody has a different at a different level of scale, um, and when they see somebody stepping into a space that's just so out there, and say, "I would never be able to do that," and to be able to hold space for themselves and for other people, they feel safety in it. And when they when they go to these spaces, they're still like, well, "What's actually going on here?" And then they get guided within that space, and it's not guided to someone else's belief to get guided within themselves and when they're able to actually tune into that side of themselves then they feel really comfortable to let go and take down the barriers and the walls that's actually stopping them from stepping into that space so after for instance in Moonstock um, people will be walking away with a different different awareness and level of understanding of themselves that they can start incorporating that into their life so when when they get a taste of that they want more of it so when, you, when they know it's not just me putting on Moonstock, there's other people doing other things around Dublin, around Ireland, that they know that if it happens here with Moonstock, it can happen in a park with 10 other people, where people just show up and feel comfortable around each other. And it's a, it's, a, it's a space to allow themselves to be vulnerable and be honest and be real. And it's also the whole collective community towards it as well, basically. If you feel like you're a part of a community or a positive uh, impact within yourself and other people around you. Well, then you'll feel you'll you'll fall, you'll let yourself fall into that. And like that old saying, what's it? Build it and they will come. That's all it is. Uh, I've I've gone to a few things before we start. When I was starting to see dips, there was a, a girl, Charlene. Uh, she was a she was putting on a swim rides every Sunday morning down on Port Marnock Beach. And this is before everything started going south. Um, and I couldn't believe the amount of people that was turning up. You'd be looking, we went to, the first week I went was like 30 people, the second week there was 50 people. And then one morning, this is a Sunday morning, sea dipping at the time was very rare. And when I turned around, I looked and it was like 150, nearly 200 people turning down to the shelters to do a light meditation and then get into the sea. And it just dawned on me how much people are uh, craving this. And all it is, is just a, a safety net, a real positive safety net. And it's not, it, there's no hidden agenda behind it, there's no... Uh, sign up to this or cult or anything like that it's just genuine people and that's genuine people turning up to a genuine space and that strips all the materialistic stuff away 
it strips all the egos away. It strips, it strips all that identity and, and culture that we are looking at right now through the phones and through telly and everything else. It strips all that away and it brings it back to that to that natural human spirit, human source of being being able to be to to able to love yourself and the person next to you, even if you don't know them. The majority of people that have made new friends and hugged strangers and helped strangers down at Moonstock is insane. But completely normal to me because that's the level of awareness that I'm on. Outside, it's it's just alien to people. But if if you allow yourself into that space, and it has to be a safe space because you can get people that would um, that would take it for advantage and would, would uh, neglect that space to benefit them to get something out of it. But if you uh, go to this deluxe and Moonstock, if you go to that, you you will be in a safe space, even if you're doing your own. And the great thing is, even if you do come in a group, um, you definitely have that in a moment of just you. It's uh, and that's why I think people are turning up to these things. And you don't charge for it. No. Um, you could be rich on the back of it. And I know you do work one on one with clients, and yeah. you know, I I presume it's a good way for you to meet people that might want yeah, more yeah. information on that and you have retreats and stuff like that but this is very much something that's that's free mm. and that's something that you just feel people need and that you like to be a part of yeah I can't physically shake people and say snap it over and see how powerful you are so I'd rather guide them into a safety net and let them see it for themselves and if that means doing something like this where people are able to raise their own conscious awareness about themselves well then I'll happily do it because the ripple effect of that is a uh, is not just like in that in with that person's life. It's generational because they'll bring it home with them. And if that's a mother going down there, never feeling self love or feeling um, a sense of want or a community around her, and she goes home to her kids, that feeling that she experienced within herself, she's bringing that home to her kids. Then she's gonna start teaching her kids about that. And then that's that generational effect is going on to the whole kids, onto the next. If if that child grows up and has their own children. That's in, that's ingrained in that child then. So it's a generational effect. And I have to think about me my own child growing up in today's world and society. I'd like to think that what I do today is gonna benefit him as when he grows up as a young adult, that he knows as a community and a community that's there, we're all within us, even if you can't see it. You just need someone to step into that space to create it. I'm grateful that I've been able to step into that space, but I don't I class it as something higher than me that all I'm doing is the me- all I am is the messenger. Because there was a time in my life where there's not a chance I was stepping into that space. I was always self sabotaging. I was always um I was never taking responsibility for what I had to do. When I had that moment and I had to do a lot of work to get to that point, but when I had that moment, it was like the only person I'm actually harming here is myself. And if I'm not able to step into that power and responsibility, I will regret it for the rest of my life. And you only realise how much regret you'll have when the day comes that you have to leave this body and this earth and this awareness that you have of being a human being. And I don't want that. So putting something on like Moonstock for nothing, I get so much back from it. And it's the awareness that I know that I see people around me who are not, who they used to be when I first met them. They're completely, they're at the whole 360 on their life. And that's simply because they allow themselves into a space that's safe. And it just happens to be Moonstock. But there is so many other people out there today that's doing similar or very much the same idea where they invite people into a space that they can uh, raise their conscious awareness about themselves. 
internally. And it's not about what you're going home to. It's what you bring home to that place of home. You know? When you're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk, and I'm talking to Paddy Douglas of Breathe, Trust, Flow, we will take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the power of your breath and how you can tap into a little bit of what Paddy is talking about. You're welcome back to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna. And I am joined in studio by Wim Hof practitioner Paddy Douglas. And what is the power of our breath? How can we use that for more than just filling our lungs? Yeah. I always try to break it down to the most simple, simplest analogy because when I started getting into this, I was lost. I didn't got a clue what I was doing. So, we ever heard the, the old thing, just do a bit of meditation, five minutes to yourself, ten minutes, just a bit of quiet, stay still, and just listen to your body and try and meditate. The amount of people that actually don't know how to meditate, that actually can't be still, that need it. So, when it comes to the breath, the importance of that is that it cuts out everything. It, it, it switches off your prefrontal cortex brain, part of the brain. That's the, that's, that's the monkey brain. That's the thinking. That's the ego. That's the restrictions. That's the resistance to everything. And that's when you are sitting still, that's what's going off. And when you start doing the breath work, when you tap into your breath, this part of the brain switches off. So there's no barrier. There's no filter. There's nothing. Just thoughts and flow and, and energy and emotion. Is, there's, no, there's no limit with it then. So when you start tapping into your breath, you are able to tap into a different part of yourself without the monkey brain saying, no, I don't want you going there. So this is what happens with the other things start to surface up. Um, stuff that you don't want to think about, don't want to face, don't want to realise within yourself. Whether that's even the, the self-love that you've been neglecting on yourself through other means, um, this that part starts bubbling itself up and you realise you, you have this awareness about yourself that you actually want to love yourself. If you allow your breath to take control, if you step out of the way, your breath will bring you into a different, spa- a different space within you that you're able to meditate. And when you are able to meditate, well, then you're able to face a lot of other stuff within you that you can't face with your conscious thinking monkey brain. The way an example I give is um, if your friend was to come to you and ask you for advice about the life, the partner, the job, whatever what's going on with your friend's life, if they were to come to you with it, asking for advice about that, whatever what advice you would give them would roll off the tongue from you. You'd just say, oh yeah, do you know what's going to be grand? This is what you do, what you need to do. Simply because you have a no emotional connection to whatever it is they're feeling. Can you imagine trying to give yourself advice? You, you, you see yourself coming towards it and you're, you're, yourself is asking you, I need advice on my partner, my relationship, my job, my life. You'd be stuck. You wouldn't be able to give yourself advice, but you can never give yourself advice. You always go into this, brush it off, try to switch off that whole idea of how we're meant to better ourselves when it, when it comes to that moment. So when we tap into the breath, it's like you're able to look at yourself in a tall person. So yes, it's you coming up, asking for advice, but you're able to give yourself advice like you're giving your friend advice. And that's the power of the breath. It's able to do that. It's able to separate you from that monkey thing, monkey brain, that, that mindset of like all negative and I can't do it, to you actually see it for what it is, the issue that's stopping you from progressing in life, being a better person or facing the issue that you don't want to face. That's what I get out of it anyway. And that's what I've, that was the first initial awareness that I came to with my breath is that I was able to face all the stuff that I couldn't face with that monkey brain. It switched off and then all of a sudden I was looking at myself, asking me those questions and I was able to answer them. Don't know if I'm quite there yet. Even at Moonstock, I'm like, is he using the bear on now? Where's he going? What's happening? Am I comfortable? Yeah. Did I just get a bite? What's happening? But sometimes, even if you're not going to rise up out of your body, you get so much about being part of a, mm. 
of a group, don't you? And I think that's yeah. the same of any kind of retreat or whether it's a hike you go on, even if it's just with a few pals. Yeah. People need to come together. Like you've touched on technology a little bit and how we're all kind of stepping away and we're connecting online. And that's fine because that's opened up. People can, you know, get Wim Hof on YouTube and follow along with them. So there's so many positives that come with that. But to actually come together and be part of something and start chatting to a stranger beside you, we, our spirits need that, don't they? Yeah, uh, you could call it heart coherence. So all of a sudden, the person who's a stranger beside you, you're able to lock eyes with them or you're able to say, you're able to have a genuine um, feel, feeling of comfort beside them. They're not a stranger anymore. They're experiencing the same thing you're experiencing. Think of it like this. Uh, we know Wi-Fi is in the room, but we can't see it. But yeah, it connects us all and it works on a level that we're able to just know what know what each other's person is doing at any given time. The same thing applies when it comes to our own energy as a human being, as a spirit, as a soul. Um, our energies connect just as quick and as strong as Wi-Fi. And when you're connected to someone through, on an energetic level, they're not a stranger anymore. They're a human being, they're a spirit, they're a soul. And you see that in front of them. And coming to uh, an event like Moonstock, that's something that, so many people have never experienced in their life. And when they come to it and they experience it, all of a sudden they feel whole, they feel fulfilled and they feel wanted, they feel part of something. And that's that's the level of awareness they're bringing on themselves that they've never felt before. A lot of people go through it their whole life and never feel loved, never feel happy, fulfilled, never felt joy, never felt anything. We've all felt the negative side of things in life, but we've never felt that awareness that we can actually feel this. And then all of a sudden they're feeling it with a stranger beside you. And hence why so many people come back because they don't feel like a stranger anymore. They don't feel like this is near what alien to them. Yeah. What feedback have you got from people? What are some of the stories you've heard? The general theme is is that people need it. And I could I could really like some of the messages I got are just they're alien to me. Because I felt I was at a lower stage in my life where something had to give. But the messages I get I'm saying I can't believe there's actually people this low within themselves and something like Moonstock has literally saved them from from doing something terrible and when I get those messages I'm uh, I don't even think about the next one I don't even I don't even think of when how it's going to stop or when is it going to stop or if, if there's anything going to stop me I just know that people need it and to be able to hold that space I'm just so so grateful and so when I get those messages I look around and just say that message is coming from a lower source, a lower, a lower self from that person. And now they're raising that vibration, they're raising that awareness about themselves. And they've got they've got down to Moonstock and now they're able to express what it's done for them. And now they know that that's an imprint on them, that something like Moonstock has done something where it's at to changing their mindset, changing their view of life, changing their view on themselves, that they can, not just Moonstock, because Moonstock could be gone tomorrow, but there's so many other things on the same level that they can get fulfillment from. And even if it's them starting it themselves. Because so many people have changed and turned their life around through, I've changed and turned around my life through Wim Hof. So I decided to be a Wim Hof instructor. You can imagine people that tapping into the breath are going to say, that's changed my life. It may not be doing Moonstock, but I'm going to do something else that incorporates the breath. My message is to uh, empower the person that they don't need me. They don't need Moonstock. They don't need any of that. It's already in them. So if I can give them a little flicker of light to say, it's already in you. You just need to feed it and nurture it so you can grow yourself. So if Moonstock was gone tomorrow, what happens then? You can just continue on your journey and what you're doing. 
And as you say, it's the simple techniques of breath, nature, coming together. It's all stuff Mm -hmm. that is all very doable and look, it doesn't even cost any money and we all have it within us. What are your plans for 2022 then? I'm putting on um, a lot of retreats. Um, Good friend of mine, Lorraine Hogan, um, the two of us do a retreat in Anamtua. That's a weekend retreat that we do, a holistic retreat. Incorporates breath work and uh, yoga, holistic fields, holistic uh, methods. Also, one-to-one sessions between uh, myself and people who can do small groups up to four. Um, another good friend of mine, uh, David Patrick Farrell, um, we do men's circles. We we gather men together and we talk. <laughs> um, we also incorporate the breath. Um, we, we do it on the, the masculine energy in the man, the feminine energy in the man, and also uh, the story behind this man that is in front of us speaking in a safe space. And then when it comes to Moonstock, we just want to expand that more. Um, the, the biggest goal, overall goal I have, and it is uh, the whole of Ireland uh, breeding under the full moon at the same time. So you have the north, west, east and south. You can imagine breeding at the very same time. So if we say... The, we're all going to start breeding at 8 o'clock. The whole of Ireland at a Moonstock Festival, that goes on for as long. You can imagine big screens so you can see what's happening in Dublin. You can see what's happening over in the west, the north and south. So that's all happening together. So collectively across Ireland. I also talked to Wim Hof about this and he says he's game to come over for that. Um, so you can imagine the whole of Ireland breeding at the one time, uh, raising the collective energy, all under the full moon, all with intention, with reason, all bringing a sense of community, love, uh, connection, and empowerment to each individual that goes there. So that that would be the biggest goal for it, Paul. Well, I tell you, you'd wake up feeling better the following morning after that <laughs> festival than you did at any other you may have been to, although that's all part of the fun of life as well. Well, look, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, people can find out more at Breathe, Trust, Flow on social media or online. Paddy Douglas, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, and uh, just a quick one. I do have a podcast, The Only Thing Podcast, if uh, anybody wants to catch me on that. Um, the reason why I said that is because a lot of people get asked me questions where to start how to get into all this so the podcasts are all there to listen to as well brilliant you can thank get on you so, so much thank you Claire really appreciate this thank you so that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week my thanks to my producer John Fardy and to Jojo Cordoza who was on sound and thanks as ever to you for listening I will see you next week